Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And today is a special discussion topic Friday, so we're also joined by Pastor Jonathan Hansen. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad I haven't uh, ticked you guys off enough to stop fighting. (laughs) Never, never. That's like impossible (laughs) at this point. This is like the fifth or sixth time we've had you. I think you're you're pretty solid at this point. Um, So as is the tradition by now, this is the third time we've done this. Before we kick off the next book in the series in the Chronicles of Narnia, we always have Pastor Jonathan Hansen join us here on the show um and it's just super super exciting because he is a huge narnia fanatic um and (laughs) (laughs) just knows so much about the history of it yeah that's (laughs) he wanted he Uh, wanted to shy away from the term nerd (laughs) i've been i've been i've been that to our guests you know i you know that's why i could i I could uh I, i could put this very uh uh, I don't want to say philosophically, but you know, I could I could keep it on theme and say, you know, I try to live my life like a Narnian. We'll just there it that. is. I like it. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> so, we are kicking off the next book in the series, "The Horse and His Boy," next week. So, uh, in keeping with tradition, we had Pastor Hansen on the show to discuss this. Um, super exciting. I mean, it's always fun to start a new book. Sad to put the old one back on the shelf, but. It's always fun to start some new adventures, and especially this book, from what I hear, is quite something. Full disclosure, I don't remember much. (laughs) I read this back when I was eight or nine, and it's been a while. That was, like, a while ago. (laughs) I think that's the kind of interesting thing about our our literature episodes, is we're kind of reading along with our audience, while at least if our audience is is reading it, that we give it as soon as we've heard it, as soon as we think of it, you know, it's right. given to them. Fresh takes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I am just as excited as I hope all of you are to hear the conversation today and see where it goes. But before we get into all that, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. And anytime we have a pastor on the show or anybody uh, of that uh, nature, we like to throw it over to them to kind of take the verse breakdown. And um, this uh, show, this episode is no exception. So I will pass it over to you, uh, Pastor Hanson, to uh, to do just that. Sweet. I believe the, the term you used the past couple of times is a theologically learned person. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes, indeed. I, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put that on my resume. I'll put your name <laughs> yep. next to it. Love it. Love so, it. So the verse of the week, as long as I uh, got the right one is Proverbs 13, verse 20, correct? Nope. Sounds about right. That's not it. Nope. Ah, dang it. Well, uh, guess what? We're going to do Proverbs 13, 20 anyway. (laughs) That's what I have in my notes. (laughs) So, Proverbs 13, verse 20, which says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. The word of God. So, I particularly love Proverbs. Uh, Obviously, the overarching theme of the book of Proverbs is wisdom, living wisely. Uh, As it opens, you see that Solomon is writing this to his son, my son, heed my commands. Um, And he personifies two women throughout the entire book. There's uh, the Lady Wisdom and the Lady Folly. And uh, we see 
how wisdom and folly affect the lives of people. That's kind of one of the through narratives. Proverbs is a collection of individual proverbs, sometimes longer proverbs, but that's kind of the through narrative. You have wisdom calling out to you, you have folly calling out to you. Which one will you follow? Which call will you heed? And so this verse is very straightforward. It's very blunt. It's very to the point. If you walk with wise people, you become wise. But if you're a companion of fools, you will suffer harm. And I think it's a lesson that we so often neglect in our lives. Who do you surround yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with people who are wise, who are faithful in the Lord, who have a spiritual wisdom about them? Or are you surrounding yourself with fools, with yeah. you know, dullards and idiots? And uh, it's uh, one of the greatest life lessons is take stock of who has influence in your life. Obviously, mm. we know all of us will be surrounded by some wise people, some foolish people. That's just the nature of life. You know, if you hold a job, you're going to be around some people who are wise, who are exercising prudence and wisdom, hopefully godliness. Hopefully you're surrounded by some godly people. But you're also going to have fools in your life. And so this isn't saying never talk to someone who is worldly or who is sinful or who is lost or who is <laughs> foolish in their life. Right. Yeah. Obviously, we're supposed to share the gospel with those people. It's who are you walking with? This idea of walking mm. with is who has influence in your life, who has priority in your life, whose advice do you take, whose wisdom do you seek? Are you seeking life advice and guidance in your life? Are you walking alongside of people who are wise, exercising godly wisdom, or are you walking alongside and hearing from people who are fools? So I think the uh, yep. central application of this is uh, listen to cross politic, not CNN. Give my, <laughs> give my boys a Amen. shout out, right? Amen. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so, so much. Really appreciate that. And those are definitely things to, uh, to really think about and consider. I think it, it, so often those can just be words we say like, oh, we read this proverb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, I get it. Yeah, be wise. You know, stay away from the fool. I, yeah. But so often we just read that and gloss over it and move on. And Monday comes along and we still hang out with the fool and we still don't reevaluate the people in our lives and we become like them. So, yeah, I yep. think that's a great call to wake up. Actually, who is the person next to you? Who do you spend most of your day with? Who are the people you've taken advice from without even realizing it? Uh, do they meet these criteria? So I think that's a really good call to action. So yeah, really appreciate and that. that's, that's the book of Proverbs in general. The book of Proverbs is yep. uh, kind of where the rubber meets the road. It's a uh, yep. Doug, Doug Wilson said once, you know, uh, I, love this I, I, I steal this all the time. You wouldn't be surprised to find <laughs> in Proverbs, you know, advice to change your oil every 3000 miles and rotate your tires. You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. practical life advice. And that's yep. why I love it. I think Proverbs is one of the most neglected books of scripture in the church. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Jared Longshore mm -hmm. wrote, uh, Pastor Jared Longshore wrote a really good book. I used it as my yep. devotional all last year. Um, Wisdom for Kings and Queens. And it's just fantastic. Tremendous. Book. Yeah. Really good book. Um, okay. Let's get into another really good book. <laughs> I'm getting so much better at these segues. I hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can only go up from where I've been. Um, and we have 15 chapters in this book, which is less than the last one, but somehow it, it doesn't feel thinner. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot here. We were talking in the pre-show. There's, there's 
um, a lot of themes that run through it. There's a lot to consider and break down. Um, and so I guess my first question, first thing I'd like to discuss and kind of bring up is what, uh, Pastor Hanson, do you think are some of the, the top thematic elements? Like what are the running themes? What are the things we should be watching for as we go in to read this book starting next week, um, keeping our eyes peeled, kind of looking out for these sorts of things? Yeah, so I'll give uh, I'll give kind of a broad one, and then I'll give kind of more of a narrow one um, cool. uh, of what to look for. Uh, broadly, great. throughout the Narnia books as a whole, there's kind of a running theme. You'll encounter this more as you get into like Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and it's very heavy in that. But it, it kind of runs throughout the books, and Lewis wrote wove this theme in of you become more of what you are. Um, mm. so you just walked through, um, Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. Edmund was already on the witch's side before he yep. ever entered the wardrobe, right? It yeah. just brought that out, right? Lucy, you know, Peter, I think Peter's a great example. Peter is already a noble character, right? Yeah. But his yeah. nobility gets amplified in Narnia and obviously Edmund mm. gets redeemed, you know? And so the, the central kind of through theme of the entire book of, uh, books in the Chronicles of Narnia is you become what you are. And, and, and Lewis had this idea. Um, there's a famous quote from, I believe it's mere Christianity where he says, you, you never meet a mere mortal. Um, everyone is immortal. And that person is either going mm. to spend eternity in a blessed state, becoming more blessed or in a horrendous state, becoming more horrific. Right. And so, he believed, and I agree with him, one of the central horrors of hell is that the sinner keeps sinning. The mm -hmm. sinner's not repentant in hell, but continues to descend and devolve wow. into that sin and be consumed yeah. by it. Uh, and so that. yeah. that's kind of a central theme. But in this book, he alters the theme slightly. And mm -hmm. I know you guys are familiar with a lot of Doug Wilson's books and a lot of the guys in Moscow. Um, you've, so you've probably heard this phrase. But in this book, one of the central themes is you become like what you worship. Mm. Yep. Um, yep. And so th this is shown in several ways. Uh, some of the people you encounter, you know, the book is set in Kalerman. So you've got the Kalermine people. Um, they go to Tashban. Well, Kalermines worship the god Tash. And mm. Tash is a bloodthirsty and cruel and kind of clever god. And so wow. the Calarmine people and the culture are cruel, they're grave, but they're also, in a way, clever. Um, they're, they're, there are good qualities Lewis elevates as well, you know, but they twist them. And yeah, so they yeah. become, you know, you're presented with this picture of, of cruelty, of slavery, of, you know, servants being beaten for, you know, without cause, things like that. Wow. The Narnians, the Narnians worship Aslan. Aslan is honorable, loving, self-sacrificial, glorious. So this makes, you know, when you encounter the Narnians, you see that they're noble, they're wow. joyful, you know, they're jolly, they're gay people, right? Yeah. Colorful. Um, and so you kind of see this dichotomy between Kalerman and Arkenland and Narnia, right? The, the North. And yeah. so, you know, that's, you become that's like really what you worship. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating thing too to note, especially in our day. Like that has direct parallels. I mean, and I, I think what that's also hearkening back to is the um, 
the people in the Old Testament who, you know, created uh, idols out of stone or clay or whatever. And in Isaiah, they're scathing reviews of the people who created them <laughs> and the idols themselves. You know, like they yep. they have ears, but they can't hear. They have, uh, you know, eyes, but they can't see all, all these different things. And then yep. it says, and the people who created them are like them, too. They became mm. that. They have ears, but they can't hear. Yep. They have eyes, but they can't well, see all, all of that. Paul expounds on that. So so really, when you encounter false gods throughout Scripture, uh, we're given two options. Either it's a fake, like there's times where it's presented as this is just a fake, it's a vain idol. Yeah. But then yeah. Paul makes clear Golden there are other times where you're worshiping a demon. Mm. This is a yeah. real spiritual entity. And yep. both times, the, the same is true. You become like what you worship. Like, yeah. I, I'm from the theological position. I hold Molech to be an actual spiritual being, an mm. actual demon. Um, yeah. And so the worship of Molech is bloodthirsty, child sacrifice, right? Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of those things. And the people devolve into being borderline yep. demonic because of their worship of this demon. And yeah. I'll, I'll also point out, as you continue in the series, Tash comes back in the last battle. And the mm. same theme yes. is presented. Yep. You become like what you worship. Wow. And so Lewis yeah. is tying a, a deep thing in there. And I think it's also seen, you see a picture of the sovereignty of God in it in two more characters. You've got Shasta on one hand. He, he, he doesn't know who Aslan is, but you find out that obviously, you know, Aslan being the picture of Christ, the, the shadow of Christ in these books is guiding the story all the way along. And there's this beautiful quote where, uh, Two of the characters are talking and they say, you know, Aslan seems to come in at the back of all of the stories, <laughs> you know, like he seems to be, <laughs> he seems to be involved in everything that happens. But you, you know, you find out that Aslan's been shaping him and even shaping his heart. And so wow. Shasta acts like a Narnian, mm. even though he grew up wow. in Calamon because of the hand of Aslan. And then yeah. you've got Bree, who is, uh, I'll talk more about him in a bit, but Bree is yep. the horse in the horse's voice. Yep. So Shasta is the boy, Bree is the horse. And, and Bree is a Narnian without Aslan. So, mm. so he kind of hyper-spiritualizes Aslan. He's kind of the liberal theology of Narnia, if you will. Wow. And so you've got a dichotomy between the two cultures, but then you've also got a dichotomy between the two main characters. Wow. Shasta, who is a true Narnian at heart, who submits to Aslan through the work of Aslan in his heart, even before he knew him. And he's brave. He's kind. He makes mistakes, but overall he's concerned about others. Um, and then Bree, who is a, a, a Narnian who remembers Narnia, but kind of hyper spiritualizes Aslan and says, Oh, he can't be a real lion. That's no, 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 no. That's, you know, that's just stories. Uh, yeah. He's, he has an air of nobility about him, but he proves himself to be cowardly, to be selfish, you know, wow. to be self-obsessed. And yeah. so there's two different kind of dichotomies that you see between Kallerman and Arkenland and Narnia, and then between Shasta and Bree. So I would really keep an eye on those two things. So any, Jake, did you have a, any, any other questions? Um, well, like okay. Talk. <laughs> well, see, actually, I've been told well, I need to let Jake talk a lot more. So no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then and then you and then you allow me to talk when I when I don't have much uh, to give. Is that what I just did? But um, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I this is one of my favorite books. I think when we did when we did uh, our five book, our top five favorite books, 
I put in there, uh, Horse and His Boy. Yes, Because uh, I really, I really do love love the story, um, and it's been a while since I've read it. Well, th- three years, but um, it's th- more recent than Bruce, so I remember some things. But um, that's yeah, the just the that's that's it right there. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely, definitely that more recent that part than Bruce. Where... All right, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> Definitely where Aslan comes in, uh, and you you see snips of him throughout the story, um, yeah. and closer to the end, uh, he kind of explains all of his um, appearances and when he shows up. But um, and then even some surprising ones that you go, oh, that was that was Aslan. Okay, cool. Right, right. <laughs> um, huh. But wow. I don't. Do you know? Uh, and I don't. I don't know if you would know this for sure or not, but um, do you know what what was the reasoning for the creation of this book? Because it did come a while after the rest of the books, right? In chronological order. Um, but do you do you know the reasoning as to why Lewis made yeah, this book? The dedi- the dedication to is is an interesting thing to look yeah. into. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who I can't remember who he dedicated. Douglas to. Gresham. David and Douglas Gresham. That would be um, yeah. So, his two yeah. So go ahead. So what I do know is from hints in the other books, like uh, in Prince Caspian, he references Prince Caspian takes place very shortly after this book, or uh, not Prince Caspian, but uh, in Prince Caspian we find out that they leave Narnia, the Pevensies leave Narnia in, in Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe very shortly after this book. Um, there's kind of hints at it of, you know, wow. in the book, it talks about the, the moles wanting to dig the orchard for them, which comes back in Prince Caspian. So Lewis had a brilliant mind for story and he had the overarching story in his mind really from the beginning. I think the only one that he wow. didn't really have in mind always was uh, the last battle, how it would really wrap up. And so this was written. If you kind of look at the order of how he wrote them, he wrote them Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. All three of those, you know, are kind of about the Pevensies. And then he introduces Eustace in uh, the Dawn Treader. And Dawn Treader, Silver Chair, they're kind of about Eustace. You know, and so he's, hmm. he's kind of talking, you know, it's kind of character studies. And then he wants to fill in some of the history that he's hinted at throughout. Yeah. And, and so oh, he's going so cool. back and flushing out the world a bit more. And so he yeah. writes this one, he writes, uh, um, the, uh, magician's nephew, you know, fills in the creation of Narnia. And so he's filling in, he's flushing out more of Aslan's character, more of the, who the world is. Um, I, I imagine he probably wanted to flush out more of Callerman cause they've been mentioned in Don Treader. Um, he wanted to flesh out more of Arkenland, which was mentioned in, I believe, Lion, the Witch, and the Order of and Prince Caspian. Um, hmm. You know, he wants to flesh out this world a little bit more, especially before the last battle, where yeah. Kalerman is another main main player as well. Huh. But as far mm-hmm. as the specific reasoning, I'm not entirely sure, but I think he just wanted to flesh out the world a bit more and That's go really back cool. to the golden age of Narnia with the fantasies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, it's that time of the episode. Every week, every time we have you back on, every month, I should say, you have a new quote behind you. Uh, yes. For those who are uh, podcast listeners, uh, what's wrong with you? No, I'm kidding. 
Um, thank you for listening, <laughs> podcast listeners. But also, you should go back and watch our Rumble page and check out our our episodes uh, on trdshow.net uh, because you, you're you're missing out on so much. But thank you for listening. Um, but there is a quote behind you. Would you mind reading that off for us and then kind of filling us in on like what's the what's the story there? Where's that? Where'd that come from? What is that? Why did you choose that quote? Um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So first things first. How much time do I have left? You have ten minutes. I mean, uh, five minutes left. Just, just sweet. So we got fifteen. Minutes. Let's go. <laughs> Darn it! That's where that's my goal. <laughs> Figure it I out. Go um, so really, that's kind of tied to. So I brought up kind of the central theme of the dichotomy. The other theme within it, and this ties is a, a longer explanation. But uh, but the quote that I have, I guess for you audio listeners, the quote that I have behind me, it's not a direct quote. It's a shortening of the quote. But it's first in, last out, laughing loud. One of the other main themes that Lewis tackles within this book is the best way I can define it is nationalism. And, and I define nationalism as the love for one's homeland, the desire for the betterment, the true hearted love for one's nation. Lewis, Lewis described the love for one's nation in a similar way as a love for one's mother. Um, and so wow. Lewis paints a picture of, or he paints three different pictures of that love for, for nation in this book. The first, I, I kind of touched on this, but it's Callerman, right? Uh, and so Callerman, because they worship cash, their love for cash, their love for their nation is, is really seen in a brutal way. Uh, Lewis mm. painted the Callermans in a very dark light and, and many have accused him of racism in that way. I don't believe he had any, any heart of racism there because it's clear Callerman kind of represents the Middle East type culture. So he's mm-hmm. kind of comparing the Middle East culture, uh, the Islamic culture with Christendom. Narnia and Arkenland represent Christendom. And so you've got one side of nationalism where Callerman uses dark means to further their prosperity, slavery, abuses, even treachery. Treachery is a wow. big part of this book as well. And so that's a very dark form of nationalism because the God of that nationalism, the God over that nationalism is a dark demon, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the other is Arkenland and Narnia and their nationalism is subjected to Aslan, the good God, you know, and ultimately subjected to the emperor over the sea. And so their love for their nation, I should say their nations because they're two separate nations who both submit to Aslan. They love their homeland and it is expressed through righteous action. They're noble people. They come to the aid of their friends. Um, They seek to help those in need, right? They deal righteously, even with treacherous people. When people are treacherous with them, they Mm -hmm. still attempt to deal in the most honorable way with them because their love for nation is not an idol. It, it is subjected to their love for God. The third nationalism that's presented is Bree. So Bree the horse. I, I love Bree the horse. It's one of my favorite <laughs> characters in any book. I know I've been kind of, you know, kind of mean to him in this episode, but, but he represents an Aslan-less nationalism. So mm. every, you know, all the time throughout the book, he, he's talking about Narnia in the north, Narnia in the north, Narnia in the north. That's all he can think about. He talks about how wonderful Narnia is, how amazing everything in the north is, how wonderful things will be in the north and in Narnia. And, and, but 
because he does not recognize the lordship of Aslan over his nationalistic love. Yeah. It's cowardly. It's wow. selfish. It's self-centered. And so you have a dark nationalism in Kellerman. You have a righteous, godly nationalism in Arkenland and Narnia. And then you have a <laughs> godless nationalism where Bree loves a good thing, right? Like Narnia and Arkenland are good countries. The North is objectively a good land. It's a righteous land. But to me, it's similar to in our political climate, we have godless conservatism. Mm -hmm. And godless yep. conservatism loves a good thing. Yeah. They, they love their homeland. They love their nation. They want the yeah. best for their nation, but it's not right. subjected to the lordship of Christ. Yeah. What is it they're conserving? Yeah. Exactly. And something... so yeah. this is shown exceedingly clear wow. in the two kings. So in mm. this book, you have, well, you have more than that because Edmund's in this as well. Peter's talked about in this. So you have multiple kings in this. But specifically, there's a comparison between Prince Rabidash and, um, and between the Tisrock, you know. Uh, the Tisrock is a cruel king. And he <laughs> mm. makes his servants walk backwards in front of him because it's disrespectful to have their backs to him. You know, wow. he, 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 he has blind and deaf servants for secret meetings. He beats his subordinates. He even is willing to sacrifice his son, Rabidash, you know, and, and wow. it's, it's a, he's a dark King. He's a twisted King. He's a treacherous King. Rabidash is a treacherous Prince. And then Lewis paints this picture of King Loon of Arkenland. And hmm. King Loon is described as fat, jolly and happy right like like he's the biggest oh, fattest guy right there yeah but he's <laughs> he's laughing but he's also brave he's the wow. first one into battle wow you know and and there's a scene where he talks to and i'm not going to give any spoilers away here but he's Thank talking you. to <laughs> yeah he, he is he's talking to his son you know that's not really a spoiler mm. but he's talking to his son about you're ruining the whole book mean. for me yeah there we go good <laughs> Uh, he's talking to his son about what makes a righteous king. What is a good king? And mm -hmm. and this is one of my favorite quotes. I'll just I'll, I'll just read it here. For this is what it means to be a king, to be the first in every desperate attack, and last in every desperate re desperate retreat. And when there's hunger in the land, as must be now and then in bad years to wear finer clothes and laugh louder over scantier meal than any man in your land. Wow. That is what a righteous king means. And so yeah. the goal of reading Narnia is to live like a Narnian. It's to let the mm. you know, breathe Narnian air, let it change you. And what it means to live like a friend of Narnia and Arkenland and the North is to be first in, last out, and laughing loud. And I wow. think that's something the church needs desperately right now especially yeah, i think that's something absolutely. the reformed community like let's let's narrow yep. it down right like us reformed guys yeah that's something we need to take away if you want to know what it means to be a godly man right not just a king mm. but to be a king over your household a lord over yeah. your household be the first in every desperate attack be the last in every desperate retreat mm. and when things are horrible be filled with the joy of the lord and be the the one laughing loudest and wow. that is what it means to yeah. be a true Narnian. And so that's yeah. one of my that's favorite great. quotes ever. Be first in, last out, and be laughing loud. Man, I, uh, that was uh, superb. I want that it, on a t-shirt yeah. now. 
<laughs> I wonder if we can I'm, get I'm that as a clip. It. We need to get that as a clip. Yeah. But um. Yeah. But when you uh, this is something funny that because I've read the book, um, but when you said uh, Tizrock, I literally in my head I recited, "May he live forever." Um, <laughs> well, that that goes to the point, right? Because um, another comparison, the Tizrock is always yeah. said, may he live forever. And then it's explained in the book, even though none of them do, they're always right. murdered by their heirs, right? Like their heirs oh. murder the Tizrock to take their place. That's why he's willing to sacrifice his son, but yet they still force their people to view them as a deity. But then wow. you've got yeah. King Loon who talks about how, Hey, you know, basically King Loon is like, someday I'm going to die and you will be King, you know, talking to his son, wow. you will be King. So here's what it means to be a King. So it's like, yeah, yeah. The Tizrock, may he live forever, versus long live the king, right? Yeah. You know, like, there's a difference wow. between those two statements. Yeah. And so, and in I a sense, it, it it gives, um, the, the people don't care if he lives forever or not. You know, he's yeah. an oppressive, an oppressive deity, in a sense. They, yeah. they give him this status, but he's oppressive. He's, he's dealing harshly with mm. them. So they yeah. don't actually care if he lives forever or not. They just say yeah. it because it's what they're told to say, you know, yep. out of duty. Well, and yeah. any of those in power are secretly hoping that he won't, <laughs> you know, they're lying right. and that, right. uh, you know, that's, he, he's forcing his people to speak lies. That's really interesting because we wrapped up the final thing we got to and talked about on our Wednesday episode when we broke down the last chapter of the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe was just the joy and the loyalty of the subjects of Narnia to their king to Aslan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The joy and the willingness to follow him into battle. He didn't have to force any of them. I mean, the first thing they thought when he brought them back to life from being stone, breathed on them and brought them back, the first thing they were like, all right, what can we do? Where can we go? How can we follow you? How can we help you? What can we do? Give us orders. And it was just the joy of doing that was mm -hmm. inspiring to us. And we were t talking about how that's what the gospel should be. It's not a uh, follow my commandments because if you do, uh, because I've told you to do it and because there's the threat of hell. Like, you know, like that's, yeah. that's not it. I mean, that's there, yeah. that's present, but that's not why Christ said, if you love me, keep exactly. my commandments. Yeah. And it's, 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 the, it's the love that attitude. comes first. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, well, and I think yeah. that's why, you know, again, back to the difference between the Narnians and Bree and Bree becomes a wiser horse. That's one of the chapters, how Bree becomes a wiser horse. So he learns this lesson. Um, but kind of that difference there is the Narnians are noble because of their love for Aslan, mm. because they become yeah. like what they worship. Yeah. And when you reject Christ, right? Like as Christians, we should love our land. We should love our nation. We should seek to see our nation discipled because we love Christ, not because it's just a good thing to do, not right. because we want the end results, but because we love our king. Mm. And and if you reject Christ, if you have that Christless conservatism, yeah, yeah, you might as well be a liberal. Right. Yep. Yep. Because you're going to the same place. The result will be the same. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Hanson. This was tremendous. Um, Jake, any final thoughts? Either of you have anything you want to add? Next thirty seconds. Like th thirty seconds. 30 seconds. I'm giving you 30 seconds. That means a minute. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I would just, I would just say as my, my, my closing thought, uh, 
live like a Narnian. That's mm. that's the chief mm. the chief yes. lesson. Love love Christ, be first in, last out, mm. and laughing loud. Amen. Yep. That's great. I love it. Very cool. Well, thank you all so, so much in the audience for watching or listening to us today. Don't forget, send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com, trdshow at protonmail.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Check out our show website, trdshow.net. You can follow us on all the places that love free speech and ones that don't, you know, if, if you decide to do that. Uh, we have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages, although Twitter now is something else, X or whatever. It's not called yeah. Twitter anymore. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah, I'm not going to call follow it us on the site formerly called Twitter. Follow us there uh, if you'd like. And then also follow us on Gab. Bruce, we just started naming a- it. I know. <laughs> oh, shoot. Not very politically correct over here. That's hilarious. <laughs> but well, dead naming uh, is allowed on Twitter. So Okay. That's great. Yeah, All right. Yeah, great. That's sweet. true. So we'll be doing that. Um, hashtag bring Twitter back. I don't know. Um, and uh, we also just started a Gab group. Um, Andrew Torb has been putting out a lot of posts recently prompting people to, Hey, join groups, chatting groups, like groups are where you get engagement. And it's true. There's like literally millions of people in groups on Gab. So turns out groups are where we have to go. So we're, we're going there. Uh, but we, uh, we also created our own group. Uh, we shared it on our Gab page. We'll probably pin it to the top. So check out our group, join it, um, post all sorts of stuff. I mean, post memes, post quotes, post, we, we just, just post, we want to hear from you. Engagement. Um, Engagement, right. Engagement is cool. Uh, again, thank you to Pastor Jonathan Hansen for joining us once again. We really appreciate it. It's a great conversation. And we are looking forward very much to seeing you in the audience on Monday. Until then, have a great rest of your weekend. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. That was longer than 30 seconds, Bruce. It was. I apologize. <laughs> 